Hello and welcome to Homestead Hens and Honey, a beekeeping, chicken keeping and general homesteading podcast. I'm your host Gemma and today for episode 34 I'm going to discuss my 2020 goals, what worked and what didn't. Now, I did the same thing last year in 2019, and for a full rundown of that summary that I gave, uh, please check out episode eight of the podcast. As always, I'm going to start with some homesteading updates. My love affair with my rooster, Pepper Jack, continues. I absolutely adore him. He's doing such a great job of protecting his flock. He is getting a little bolshy and he drew first blood the other day. Now, I don't think he meant to in the sense that he didn't go at me with his talons or anything like that. What happened is I was wearing yoga pants and I've noticed that um, first thing in the morning is when he really wants to reassert that he is King Rooster because I close them in at night. So I open up the run. He comes out first, he gets very upset if the hens go out before he has a chance to check things out. And he would basically just run up, chest bump my legs, which I thought was adorable. And then satisfied that he'd put me in his place, he'd let the hens out and they'd all, you know, scratch around. Well, this one morning, I'm in my yoga pants, which are pretty thin. And so he actually ran up behind me, pecked me and like pinched my skin through the pants leaving a small bruise and drawing a tiny bit of blood. Now, this is the most aggressive he's ever been. So I basically turned around and immediately tried to pick him up, which he didn't like. And that made him back off. And since then, I don't turn my back on him. (laughs) And I've also started hand feeding him and getting him more used to me so while one hand is holding out like some kind of desirable treat my other hand I slowly kind of move to his chest and like scritch him on his little chest or like try and pet him a little bit and when he does puff at me and like runs at me or whatever I basically just put my hand flat on his back to press him to the ground which he'll usually run away from and or I will attempt to pick him up, which he'll also run away from, but it seems to kind of remind him that I am bigger than him, I'm in charge, and otherwise he's totally fine. I don't want him to become truly aggressive because then I'll have to get rid of him, but I think this is normal roostery behavior, particularly because he's really establishing himself now. Like he's used to his flock, he's getting used to his territory, I'm not really that worried about it, but I want to nip it in the bud as best that I can. As for my special needs coop, Agatha and Squeak seem to be doing very well as a flock of two, even in the freezing temperatures that we've had. They're both eating well. They are waiting for me in the morning, looking for treats. Um, Agatha's still getting her daily pain meds. I switched to giving it to her in the morning because I figured if she's anything like me, she probably wakes up a little sore and a little stiff. That does seem to be helping and I think she might finally have made the connection between me picking her up and then her eventually feeling better because she's not running away from me and hiding like she was before. She does have some feathers that have that papery coating on them that I'm you know, having to help her remove but all of her downy feathers have come in. Downy feathers again are the feathers that don't grow in with the papery coating. Um, They are much softer and fluffier and they help hold in warmth. But I'm just making sure that she's as well-groomed as possible because I want to make sure that, you know, all her feathers are healthy and can help keep her warm. I also think that part of why Pepper Jack the rooster has been increasing some of his aggression towards me is that he watches me pick up Agatha from the other coop And although he doesn't interact with those hens unless it's through their fence, I do think he considers them part of his flock and he gets very upset when I'm holding Agatha. And I think him chest bumping and pecking me is his way of saying like, that's my girl, that's my hen, you're a big predator and I'm not going to stand for it. But we're just going to keep working on it because Agatha needs her pain meds and this is just how life is and he'll eventually figure it out. 
What I'm really excited about is that the girls have started laying eggs again. So I was down to one egg every couple of days if I was lucky. And now we're up to two to three eggs most days. So we'll skip a day here or there, but generally speaking, I'm getting two to three eggs. Squeak, who is usually my daily egg layer, has now stopped laying eggs for the season, which is good. It will give her a break. And I'm not entirely sure who of the big flock has started laying again. But I do think that my Jersey giant hen, who I've named Cheddar, is responsible for some of these eggs. I've noticed a smaller, paler egg with a more pronounced pointed end that has very, very thick and hard shells, especially compared to what my girls produce because most of them are older and considered past their best egg laying years. So I'm pretty sure that these are from Cheddar because she's young. And it's funny because she's my largest hen and will get even larger but her egg is kind of a medium-sized egg and noticeably smaller than what my other girls are producing. As for my hives well like I said we've had freezing temps so there's no activity on the outside of the hive. Um, We had 24 hours of snow that really dropped the temperature quite fast. And it happened to be the same day that my husband borrowed a thermal camera. He got it so he could actually go around the outside of the house and figure out if we had any particular windows or areas that were poorly insulated. And while he had the camera, he went to check on the hives. And what was really good is that with the wraps on and the quilt boxes on top the outside of the hives are the same temperature as the air so that basically means that um they're really 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 well insulated that there's no heat loss that we can see coming from the hives Uh, i guess negatively i could say maybe all the hives are dead and that's why but i don't believe that to be true based on you know i'm seeing those little dead bees being kicked out um, slowly over time. Now, speaking of hive wraps or insulation, um, I've been using the Bee Cozy, which if you go to my Instagram, you you can see a picture of, and it it basically, you buy it and it's rolled up tight and pressed down thin. And it's one piece that you unfurl and like lower over the top of your hive. So it's not the easiest to get on and off, particularly because when you get it, it's compressed. Once you've put it on the bees, the insulation inside, the black uh, plastic outer coating puffs up and kind of hugs your hive. So it's harder to get on and off. And I like it for its insulation, but I don't like it for how much work it is if I need to get into the hive. So if we're in very early spring and we have a mild day and it's a good time for me to take a peek, I do need to take the wrap off. Now, what I've seen from other beekeepers is a thinner looking hive wrap that um, is one piece that has a Velcro closing. So it's much easier to take on and off. And it gives quite a snug fit. It looks like it has a decent amount of insulation. And I'm considering getting one to try out for next year's winter and to compare how I like them. And the ones that I'm thinking of, I found on the um, the Dadon or the Dadant or however you say that, D-A-D-A-N-T, you know, one of those big beekeeping companies. Those are the wraps I'm thinking of. I'm going to put a link in the... Um, episode notes and on my blog so if you are interested you can go and check those out. Okay so as for today's episode as I mentioned at the beginning to really listen to what I had mentioned about goals that I'd achieved that I didn't what I'd learned for 2019 you'll want to look at or listen to episode eight of the podcast and I will drop a link in the episode notes and on my website. But just to kind of sum it up real quick, in 2019, I listed as goals achieved, actually getting bees. Um, It was my first year working with the bees. So I had to get the hive stand set up. 
I prepared the area where I wanted to put them on my property. I had a trail camera that I set up so that I could make sure that there weren't issues with predators or um, trespassers. I had to build some of the equipment. I got nucleus colonies. I had hashtag bee drama with queens disappearing and having to raise my own queens. And I had to learn how to manage hives on a schedule and do mite treatments. I had to split a hive. I raised my own queen. I expanded my apiary. That was a year of firsts for me. In 2019, I also started my blog and this podcast. I established an Instagram, Facebook and Tumblr page to promote the podcast. I had to learn how to submit my podcast to different places and websites, which was a huge pain in the butt. Apple Podcasts, I'm looking at you. I mulched all the beds. I put did hand weeding everything. I got new rose bushes and I dug up the dead ones. That was one heck of a job. I had bulbs planted for spring and fall. I planted mint everywhere I could think of. I did a big coop clean out before the cold weather hit. I kept on top of my mowing with like my little push mower on all of this lawn. I had um, my pink tongue skink breeding. I managed to sell the babies. I established my own website. I established a Facebook page. I looked into selling in person for 2020. Of course, we all know that that didn't happen. And I uh, bought skinks with fresh genetics. I also completed American Sign Language through my local university and I did boo at the zoo as a volunteer. I did five out of the six shifts. So I had a very, very busy year in 2019 with a lot of firsts. Obstacles that I identified for 2019 were watering, mainly inconvenience of hose positioning and mosquitoes being everywhere. I had various sick chickens that needed vet visits and extra care, which took up a lot of time. I had a long commute driving my husband back and forth because we only have the one car. I had issues with Japanese beetles and other pest control. Weeding by hand is just a huge time suck. That's always going to be the case. I had very busy days filled with daily animal care, especially with the baby skinks. Luna managed to rip her side open twice last year, which required stitches. And finally, swimming, which I very seriously dedicated my... myself to last year which was a big time suck but worth it unexpected pleasures for last year were rescue hens (laughs) that's a bubble and squeak I had a foster dog Willie the Whippet who was ended up being placed in Florida I had a successful hive split and a homegrown queen I actually went on vacation for the first time in ages where we swam with manatees and we had a really wonderful relaxing break in Florida I socialized more, I made more time for my friends and I went on regular dates with my wonderful husband. So looking back at 2019, I have to admit that I'm actually impressed by what I achieved. Um, Aside from finally getting to do the hands-on part of beekeeping, I maintained a 4.0 GPA in all my classes. I was driving all over the place and I was managing everything at the homestead, including establishing my business as a reptile breeder. And the reason this sort of shocked me is because when I think of 2019, what I remember the most clearly is how exhausted I was all the time and how bad my depression became once winter hit. And so in my memory, it kind of feels like I barely managed to get through 2019. But actually looking at these notes, looking at what I had talked about, looking at what I'd achieved, I realized that that's not true at all. I actually juggled a lot of things. I did a good job. And it's nice to be reminded of that. Um, I think this is why so many people recommend keeping a journal Uh, and I mean a personal journal here, not just a beekeeping journal, because when you, your memory is funny. So my memory is remembering all the dark times. But if I'm looking back at the notes that I made, there was a lot of positives. So with that kind of slightly more positive feel, let's look at the goals that I set in 2019 for 2020. And some goals that I set for myself were to expand my apiary, to start nucleus colonies, to add new genetics in the form of Saskatraz bees, build raised beds for vegetables and herbs, weed and reseed the side beds, get a wildflower patch or meadow established, 
put out milky spore or carnivorous nematodes to address the Japanese beetle infestation, build a chicken tractor, remove the gravel path in the backyard, improve drainage on the property, deal with the raccoon latrine of my shed. If I had time, I was going to strip and repaint the bedroom walls. I wanted to do agility training for Chappie, obedience for Luna and scent work with Kaylee. And I also planned to build an outside tortoise and general reptile sunning enclosure where they could soak up the sun and be safe from predators and also safe from escaping. So with those lofty goals, what did I actually achieve this past year? I did increase my apiary from two successfully overwinter colonies to two additional full-size colonies and two nucleus colonies. And I did this with one package that was purchased and the rest were all raised from current hives. I did add a new genetic line, my Saskatraz bees. Um, I was very impressed with their buildup, but as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I'm ultimately very torn about these bees. So they absolutely have phenomenal phenomenal buildup. They're fantastic in terms of honey production. In fact, most of my honey came from the Saskatraz hives. And their temperament is actually lovely. I didn't experience any of the spiciness that I'd heard about. But I also suspect that they are the primary robbers of all the genetic lines that I currently have, which would also explain why they suffered the highest mite counts in the fall. Right now, I'm hoping that at least one of my Saskatraz colonies survives the winter so I can assess how they do next year, which will hopefully not be as hot and dry and therefore no dearth. But I'm not planning on buying another Saskatraz package right now. I'm going to go with Carniolan just to kind of branch out and to try something different. In terms of the nucleus colonies, I successfully created a few, I created three, but I had issues with management. So my original goal was to create spring nukes and then build them up to be strong, but prevent swarming. And my plan to prevent swarming was to remove honey or brood frames to boost the full size colonies and decrease the swarming risk in the nucleus colonies. And This might have worked if A, I had known we were going to have a dearth or I'd recognised it sooner and B, if I generally had more experience. So instead, I feel like my nucleus colonies got a little out of control. One did cast a full swarm, which I'm still gutted about, while the others struggled to survive through the dearth even after my intervention. And I wonder if they would have had a better chance of survival if I hadn't moved around those early frames and instead had let them expand into a full colony. And by this, I mean putting them into my regular 10 frame Langstroth hives and encouraging them to build up. So considering this, I I have decided to create spring nucleus colonies again, but this time my intention will be transitioning them into the full size 10 frame, two box colonies, and then just supporting them throughout the year with the goal of making sure they're large enough and they have enough honey to get through the winter. If they survive that winter, the following spring, they should be a good source of honey production for me because they've worked previously to build all that beeswax comb. And then I could also decide if that goes well, that I could make late summer or early fall nucleus colonies and then overwinter those nucleus colonies together. I would have to consider the weather carefully at that time of year um, and how many drones the hives are producing in terms of whether I want to make full nukes. And then once I've made them, do I let them raise their own queens or do I purchase from my Ohio queen breeders? So watch this space. That's something a little different that I'll be trying. I did build raised beds for the veggies, but I did it a little differently than I'd planned. I originally was intending to buy lumber and making sort of those traditional raised garden beds, but instead I used fallen branches from the property 
And I didn't purchase topsoil. I moved the soil from the leaf and the compost pile to use instead because it makes beautiful, rich topsoil. I am happy with how they turned out for the most part, but my leaf pile slash topsoil has been massively reduced and I'm probably going to have to bite the bullet and go out and buy good quality organic topsoil for my garden next year. In terms of actual vegetable growth in those beds, I didn't really get much of a harvest, but I can see easily where I went wrong. I had improper support for the tomatoes and I planted them too close together. My corn suffered from a lack of room and the beans were eaten by some kind of pest that I never fully identified. So I'm going to have to look into that. And then I think I put the squash plants in too late. They just didn't have enough time. My plan to rectify this next year is basically expanding all the beds, um, looking into a bee-friendly pest treatment that I can treat the bean plants with, getting the squash plants in sooner. And also, I really need to test my soil and make sure that it is optimal for vegetable plants. This is something that I don't usually do because I actually find it a little daunting and chemistry heavy and chemistry was never my favorite science at school, but it is an essential step and I can't keep putting it off. So this is something that I'll be researching over winter. I did set the goal to weed and reseed the side beds and this is kind of only half successful. The really big round side bed, I did not deal with. I continue to neglect it mainly because the weeds and the vines have dug in real deep and I was very pressed for time. Also that bed gets full sun most of the day so during that like dry hot summer it was just too intense to be out there. I did start clearing it somewhat in the fall but my back and then the weather ended up stopping me so I didn't really progress as far as I'd hoped. As for the side bed that runs along the house though, I did wrestle that into some semblance of neatness, although it does need a little bit more work. Um, I weeded it all by hand and I put fresh mulch down and it looks a lot better. And I just really, really need to commit to dealing with the big round side bed there. Um, it's gonna take hours upon hours of weeding and then hauling mulch to cover it and then spreading wildflower seeds, but it's ultimately going to be worth it. So I just need to bite the bullet and get on with it. As for the wildflower patch or the meadow, that didn't happen either. Um, I ended up mowing the area I was planning for that because it ended up, it was either super boggy or super dry this year. And the kind of compromise that I made is after I dug the drainage ditch, I... Um, planted wildflower seeds along the edges because I couldn't mow it and so the grass was getting kind of long and I knew it was going to look unattractive my neighbors would hate it so instead I put the wildflower seeds down and they did grow and I had for a period of time beautiful flowers up along the drainage ditch which I thought looked lovely and I did see bees on so that's something I plan to continue doing. In terms of addressing Japanese beetles, yes, I had my milky spore application done in the spring. It did seem to help. Um, I still had issues with them and I had to put traps out, but it was much less than in 2019. I did miss getting my fall application done. Um, if we have a day where it's mild and it's going to thaw, I will actually run out and do that. Otherwise, I'll just have to go out during the wet period in spring. But I'm optimistic that I'm going to continue to see the numbers of Japanese beetles depleting as long as I keep up with the treatment. In terms of the chicken tractor, once again, I did not do it. I kind of cheated and I got my rooster. And here's the thing. I think the reason I kept putting off making the chicken tractor is twofold. One, I've realized that I just don't really like to build things. I end up feeling out of my depth. I need a lot more supplies than I anticipate. And I usually require help from my husband who's already 
completely overworked and just doesn't have the time to drop what he's doing to help me with something. Plus, as my recent fall, while holding the hive tool proved and the resulting stitches, I am a danger when left unattended with sharp objects. And then what also put me off from this, my second being honest about why I don't do it, is the pandemic. And basically, I have avoided going anywhere that isn't essential. And so going to Home Depot and having to haul wood, get the people there to cut it for me, potentially have people help me bring it to the car, having them touch everything. I just didn't want to do it. It just, it felt very daunting to me and I just kept putting it off. Then I found Pepper Jack and he needed a home and it just seemed like this was my chance to let my girls, in the main flock anyway, let them free roam with some level of protection in the form of the rooster. So now they don't need a a tractor. For the special needs girls, I've decided that I'm going to be lazy and I'm going to buy a pop-up greenhouse or run and then add hardware cloth to it to strengthen it, maybe pop some wheels on it and use that for them instead. So I can just even just pick them up, put them in there, let them graze during the day and then move it around the property as needed and then pop them back in the coop in the evening. It just is easier this way it's also arguably more inexpensive for just two hens I can use a much smaller tractor um, or cage or whatever than I would need with the big flock so I think this way it just works out and I'm really enjoying letting my main flock free roam I love seeing them out there I feel like areas of this property that just felt wasted before are now being utilized in some way and it makes me really really happy In terms of improving drainage, that was a big ask. And I'm really proud to say that, yes, I actually did improve the drainage. I dug an absolutely massive ditch running from the back of the property through our fenced yard and all the way out the front to the drain by the road. And it was a nightmare. It was a lot of hard work. I did hurt my poor back doing it. It's going to need yearly touch-ups, but I'm very pleased with how it came out and how well it worked when we had a lot of rain. And also it was kind of gratifying that neighbors I've never met actually stopped their car to basically say what a good job I was doing and how impressed they were by how far I was getting. So that was really, really nice. Um, I did also remove that gravel path, which was another big win for me. Again, I hurt my back and I had to space it out because some days my back just was not going to have it. But I finally got most of the gravel shifted I used what was remaining as sort of a drainage layer and then I covered everything with wood mulch and then put the paving slabs back out and I was really pleased with how it looks. Right now, about six foot of it is a complete mess because I had to dig it up to find my water pipe. But now that that's been done and we did actually resolve the plumbing issue we were having, once the ground thaws, it shouldn't take me that long to fill in that area, put fresh mulch down and make it all look pretty again. So as for the infamous raccoon latrine, that's kind of a eh one. So I still haven't actually gone in to clean up the poop. Um, as a reminder, there's a kind of worm in raccoon poop here in the US. I don't know about other countries that you can breathe in. And once you breathe it in, um, it's very, very dangerous. It can cause inflammation of the brain as the worms get established in your body. So you have to wear a special rated respirator mask and then clothes that you can wash in scalding hot water because heat does thankfully kill this worm. And I just, I have the mask thanks to my bestie, but I just haven't found the will to go in and deal with it. What I did do was I sealed up all the holes that were giving the raccoons access to that part of the shed. And as a result, they have abandoned it as the preferred toileting area. And I actually stumbled across their new favorite latrine, which is at the base of a tree at the back of my property. That's a lot more appropriate raccoons. Thank you for pooping there. So really, I know I have to address this at some point and I'm going to, I just, I guess need to build the nerve or just one day I will be ready to clean that much poo who knows but at least I've blocked them from getting in there 
As for the bedroom rehab and repainting, I kind of knew when I set that as a goal that it probably wasn't going to happen. And sure enough, I didn't have the time. Um, right now, my plan is to price the materials that it, to do it myself and then get quotes from professionals. The reason being that I was talking to a friend of mine and she's started working from home because of the, uh, the quarantine and the pandemic. And she took this opportunity to renovate parts of her home. And as someone who has, you know, stripped old painted on wallpaper down before, she basically told me that if I don't already have the supplies, I could spend as much on supplies as just hiring someone to come out and do it. So my plan is to make a list of what I'll need, price everything, compare it to quotes from professionals, and then decide what I want to do from there. Honestly, my preference is to have professionals do it, but if I can save the money, I will just do it myself. So we'll see. In terms of my lofty goals of dog training, those are a big fat nope. Um, Once the pandemic hit, I wouldn't do anything that involved me interacting in group settings. So that ruled basically everything out. That said, we did get Kaylee in for another much needed dental surgery, which went so much more smoothly than her first one. And it's shown a really big change in her. So she's always been a very happy, loving girl, but now she is even more affectionate. She's even more demanding. Um, She doesn't go off her food anymore. Her stomach issues seem to have calmed down a lot. Just generally, it's been a huge positive change in her. And I'm just so relieved and so happy that she seems to be doing so much better. I also managed to keep Luna from cutting herself up again. We did locate where it was on the fence that she was brushing up against when she was running and we dealt with it. Although we didn't completely escape stitches this year because Chappie must have been jumping at a tree or something looking for a squirrel and ended up with cuts on his face that did require like three or four stitches. So that's still better than the two sets of stitches we had last year, I guess. As for building an outdoor enclosure for the reptiles, that's another nope. Uh, It's kind of like the chicken tractor. I lost the willingness to go and get the wood and the supplies. And I will say that I actually do feel guilty about this because it's something that I've put off for a number of years now, but it's also not essential. All of my reptiles are set up so that if they need UV lighting, we supply it using special bulbs. And they all have heat lamps for basking. And they have... um, bioactive enclosures where we can set them up and we try and provide enrichment by mixing up the enclosures every now and then so it's more interesting for them so they are happy they have everything they need this is just an extra thing that I'd really like to do for them so for 2020 looking at addressing obstacles that I had identified in 2019 and In 2019, my biggest time suck was the commute between my sign language classes, swimming and driving my husband to and from work. I felt like I was spending at least half my day in the car and I had to structure all of my plans around the commute and I absolutely hated it. So my husband and I talked seriously about purchasing another car at the end of last year and then it turns out that we didn't need it because once we realized in the the new year that COVID was a real concern, my husband started working from home. And so there went the commute. Um, I also stopped swimming for the same reasons as that I didn't want to be around people. And this freed up a lot of time for me. And it also let me get back onto a more natural sleeping schedule. When Henry was working, I was up at six every morning. And that was difficult because I am a bit of a night owl. So I tend to naturally stay awake for longer in the evenings. Uh, So now I can kind of stay up late and then sleep to where my body feels more comfortable. So that's that's been pretty good. Swimming was also a big time suck, but I did consider it essential because it was good for me physically and it was very good for me emotionally. I found it incredibly soothing. I actually really, really miss it. It, I guess it's selfish, but it is the part of having to quarantine or social distance that I found the hardest. 
And I finally got on the scale and realized that I've gained 10 pounds this year, which I really put down to the lack of swimming and also some comfort or stress eating because 2020 has just been so awful. And I'm kind of up and down about how I feel about it. I'm disappointed I gained the weight because I worked so hard to lose weight and you know it's so easy to put it back on but also I'm kind of cutting myself some slack because I haven't got my swimming anymore and this year has just been really crap honestly for so many people. I think I can let this slide so right now I'm just kind of back to calorie counting. I'm back to my exercise bike at home and doing yoga and then obviously in the spring I'll be outside as much as possible working in the garden so fingers crossed I can shift this quarantine weight as always weeding and daily animal care is a big time suck but it's unavoidable and it's what I signed up for I have to admit that it doesn't feel so insurmountable now because I'm not constantly driving back and forth back and forth In regards to the baby skinks who need a lot of care for the first month or so of their life, uh, something that we're going to be doing is investing in a misting system to make sure that they're kept in the right humidity and to um, avoid dehydration. So what I have been doing is misting them myself, but it looks like they might need more than it's possible for me to do and I feel like having an automatic misting system is going to really help in this area it's going to save time for me I think it's going to be better for the babies I do have a suspicion that why I lost some of the babies was from early dehydration because I've noticed that the babies do not drink from standing water in the bowl they drink from the misting stimulates them and then they will lick the water droplets off the sides of the tank or each other and I think maybe they need more of that stimulation so fingers crossed getting this system set up in the spring is going to be a big boon for my babies Speaking of misting, watering is still something that I hate to do with my plants, but I was really on top of it this past year. And I think some of that was because the summer was dry and that meant that the mosquito population was much lower than usual. And they're really the big reason I don't like to water because, you know, the best time of day to water your plants is dawn and dusk. And those are also very popular times of day for mosquitoes. And I am like delicious candy to them. So... I end up covered in bites and then I itch for like 10 days and it's miserable. Caring for sick chickens. This is just an inescapable part of my life. Um, I think in 2019 when I wrote that, I thought next year will be different and I won't have any sick chickens. No. Um, Chickens are wonderful, silly, delicate little beings and they are prone to a wide variety of weird and wonderful issues, diseases and viruses. And they hide their symptoms so well that by the time you notice that anything is wrong, you have to act fast. This year I have treated heat stress, worms, respiratory infections and bumblefoot. I sadly lost two hens, ginger and bubbles, to two completely different issues. And this is all just part and parcel of flock life. I'm sure if I had an even bigger flock that I would have had even more things that I'd had to treat. And although it sucks up a lot of time and occasionally it makes me sigh, uh, makes me sigh, it makes me sigh and it makes me cry, I wouldn't give up any of it. I absolutely love my chickens. I love being a chicken keeper and it... (laughs) I know it sounds cheesy, but it honestly feels like a huge privilege and honor to be able to have them. So it's just part of life that they take up time and sometimes they need that extra care and that's what I'm here for. So I'm fine with it. Okay, so next up, I just did this section which I've called miscellaneous accomplishments. So more positivity. And the first one has to be my first honey harvest. So again, 2020 was my second year of hands-on practical beekeeping and my first honey harvest. And it was really great putting all this information that I've been reading up on to practical application. Now, 
extracting honey definitely took me a while to figure out. So for instance, when I was uncapping the frames with a knife, I cut myself a couple of times. (laughs) I dripped honey everywhere. But eventually I kind of got the hang of things and I ended up with a good harvest. I think altogether, I don't have the exact figure in front of me, but it was about 80 pounds. I got that from primarily, primarily, excuse me, my Saskatraz bees. And um, it's delicious and I love it. And I've had really wonderful feedback from the people who bought it or who I gifted it to. Recently, I don't know what changed, but I kept on saying to my husband, stop putting sugar in your tea, put honey in it. And he kept on saying he would and he didn't. Well, all of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, he was like, oh, can I use the honey? And I was like, yes, go ahead, use the honey. And he came back to me and was like, okay, firstly, the honey's delicious. And secondly, he realized that honey tastes so good that he needed less of it in his tea than he did of his sugar. And I always worry about his sugar consumption. He's a sugar fiend. So this was really great because now he's cut way back on sugar and instead is using honey. The only downside is I'm going to be really upset if we run out of honey before (laughs) the spring, but uh, that's probably just me worrying for no reason. Um, I will say cleanup takes a little longer when harvesting than I expected. But again, I think I've kind of got the hang of it. And um, what else? Oh, I am in the process of getting ready to sell some bottles to people who live locally. I bought a lockbox that I can mount by the front door so I can do a contactless pickup. And I'm really looking forward to... I don't know, getting more feedback from people, sharing more of this incredible resource. But overall, really the delight for me of having my first harvest was I get to eat my own honey every day. And it's honestly one of the greatest joys of my life. It's all this hard work, all these incredible insects have produced this beautiful, fragrant, delicious sugary product that makes my tea taste incredible every morning and I'm just I guess I'm in awe I'm I'm so grateful and I can't wait to keep doing this it's so much fun I also very recently as in in the last seven days rendered my beeswax so I found an article online um it's farmwifesdiary.blogspot.com. I will share a link in the episode description and on my blog. And it she outlines how to use a slow cooker to process your burr comb and beeswax cappings. And the reason that I liked it is because a couple of things. One is that reading up about rendering beeswax you know there's a lot of warnings about how flammable beeswax is and how wax is flammable at a lower temperature than water needs to boil so basically you can cause a fire and so all these different methods I'd seen where you put the wax in water or you do like a double boiler system I was still worried that there was a higher chance of a fire risk and the slow cooker method that I found just seemed like it decreased some of that risk. I also liked this method because it drains and filters the wax as it melts it. So it's not like if you process the wax in water directly, then you kind of scoop the debris off the top of the water and it leaves behind the wax. But with this process, you basically, you take your slow cooker and you fill it with about two inches, two to three inches of water. Then you get a um, piece of cheesecloth that's been doubled over two or three times and you place it over the top and you kind of tape it in place so that the middle can indent slightly but you're not going to lose it into the crock pot or slow cooker and then over the top of the uh, cheesecloth you place a paper towel and again tape the edges and then on that you place your beeswax and then put the lid over the beeswax I'll, I'll have pictures up on the blog so you can see what I'm talking about 
And basically the water heats up, put it on slow, don't do high, put it on slow. It's going to take a while, but it, it heats up the cloth. The wax starts to melt. It slowly strains through into the water at the bottom. And what's left behind is all the debris, which is called slum gum, which is super fun to say. And that's supposed to be good to use in smokers, your bee smoker. So I've kept mine. And I will say that the wax that I got from this method is beautiful. And also my kitchen smelled amazing during this. And I'm actually planning on using it to make solid hand lotions as gifts. And I've also been asked by my sister-in-law to look into making beeswax wraps for covering food instead of using cling film. And that is a little trickier uh, because I need to source you know, good quality fabric and also pine resin, which apparently is essential to getting the kind of stickiness you need from those wraps. So I'm going to do some pricing, do a little shopping around and then see about doing that as a craft project. Another achievement this past year was I helped my bestie move back to Canada. I was there for packing. I was there with food and treats and alcohol. We did our quarantine basically together and I miss her a lot, but she's doing so well in her new home and things are looking really bright for her, which makes me very happy. I also started mentoring people in 2020 and I'll be honest, I still feel a little bit of an imposter on this one. But I love talking about bees, so I'm trying to approach this as another opportunity to learn and to grow. It has been super fun getting into other people's hives. I just love seeing what's different, what's the same. I like to think I helped. (laughs) I really, really hope I helped. And I'm actually hoping that 2021, I will have more hands-on time with my mentees and their hives because there's going to be so much to do. A very unexpected delight of 2020 was when John from the Hive Jive podcast reached out and asked if I would be interested in doing an interview episode with him and then getting to be interviewed by him and then interview him in turn. Um, The Hive Jive is probably my favorite beekeeping podcast. I've been listening to it from the beginning of this journey of beekeeping. I think John is a wonderful beekeeper um, and he's very impressive in terms of everything that he has achieved and the plans that he has and the way he makes a plan and just goes for it. Honestly, talking about just the plans that John has in general, I got exhausted just listening to it. I don't know where he gets the energy from it for it all. Um, But yeah, that was really, really great. I had the best time sort of getting to know him a little bit more, getting the chance to share on each other's show. And um, apparently my episode on the Hive Jive is rather popular. So thank you so much for anyone who found me through the Hive Jive. That's so flattering. I'm, I'm glad to have you. This past year was also my best year in terms of my little reptile business. Um, I think I got a lot of the kinks out. I kind of streamlined some of the process of, um, contact between me and potential customers and I had no problem selling the babies Um, in fact I had um, more people who wanted babies than I had babies available I also felt like I was much more on top of my game in terms of managing my website and my Facebook page and I've even kind of grown past what's available so I'm actually in the process of switching the website to a new host because I want it to be easier to find when you go to Google and I want to kind of update it give it a different look I've started working on care sheets which I said I was going to do from the beginning and I never had the time my ultimate plan is to have like an adult care sheet with all background information Um, like how to sex them, breeding information, kind of where they're from, what to feed them, all that sort of stuff, as well as a baby setup guide for new customers and then individual pages for all of the skinks that I currently have so people can learn more about the animals that I'm breeding from. I already have a wait list for next year, which is amazing. uh, And that definitely makes me feel like I'm on top of things. And also I'm just really pleased with how my skinks are doing. So 
Pandora had a rough year and I've retired her for at least this coming season. So she's been separated from her male and she looks great. She's filled out. She looks so much healthier now. Um, Some of the mating scarring that she has, which is totally normal, but she had more of it than my other female. That's all kind of healed now. So she's looking big, large and in charge. And I'm very happy. I think my plan of only breeding two years in a row and then letting them have at least a year, maybe even two years off is the best thing for them. I'm going to breed Europa again and she's just as big and beautiful and hearty as she was before. So I'm really optimistic that she'll produce another healthy litter for me next year. And I'm planning on doing some more shopping to find fresh bloodlines. One of the downsides about being one of just a handful of breeders in the US who produces this species is that people who want to get into breeding will reach out to me and find that my lines right now are all related. So you can't get skinks from me and breed them together unless you are irresponsible and want to contribute to inbreeding and causing genetic issues. It's also a problem because I've also sold skinks to other skink breeders. So some of the other babies on the market will be from my genetic lines, which is a huge win for me. I'm super proud of my genes and I stand by them. But it does make it harder for people to find unrelated skinks. So one of my plans is to try and find completely unrelated bloodlines so I can establish lines that I can basically say to someone, if you buy babies from X litter and you buy babies from Y litter, you can breed those offspring together. Ultimately, what I really want to do is when the pandemic is over and it's safe to do this kind of thing again, there is someone I know of who goes to Europe and gets reptiles and brings them back for you. He has all the permits so you can buy through him. And I really want him to go to Germany and pick up some totally unrelated German lines for me because that would be amazing. It would add fresh genetics to my current stock. And I really love that the German lines often have very dark, densely patterned pink tongue skinks. I just love how that looks. and I'd really like to experiment with that. On a personal note, I feel like I've done a pretty good job this year of maintaining relationships, even with this crazy pandemic and having to follow appropriate safety measures. I have stayed in contact with friends and family, whether it's just emails every now and then or socially distanced meetings outside or whatever. And it's been really, really important, I think, for all of us to get that level of socialization in this time when we're trying to isolate. And I've also taken better care of my mental health, um, including a medication change. And I have seen improvements in this area, which is a really big win for me. Winter is often difficult because I have seasonal affective disorder, but I'm optimistic that maybe this year will be a little easier because of the new meds and the new therapist and just kind of the steps that I've taken this year to support myself better, to do more self-care, to work a little bit more on the things that I have struggled with. I am bad at recognizing when I'm slipping back into unhealthy patterns and I don't always ask for help when I need it, but I am cautiously optimistic that I'm kind of overcoming some of these negative patterns and that each year I'm going to improve a little bit more. So let's sort of close this up with what are my goals for next year? What are my goals for 2021? Well, my number one goal is my top bar hive. So I do have one. I have not assembled it yet, but I have one. And it's going to be my very first time using a top bar hive and learning all the different management techniques for it. I am planning on ordering that package of carniolan bees, which is great because, as I've mentioned previously in other episodes, you can't just take Langstroth frames, you can't put those into a top bar. So I can't use for my current colonies. I need a package where I can just put all the bees in there and let them do the work of building the comb. 
I do plan on the nucleus colonies again. As I said previously, my plan this time though will be to build them up to a full size 10 frame, two box Langstroth hive by winter to get them through winter if possible so that when they come through on the other side, hopefully they will be a good source of honey production. And again, I might make late summer or early fall nukes if the weather and the flow allows it. Mite testing. This is a big goal I'm setting for myself. I let it slide this year because the bees got very aggressive due to the dearth and that also led to insane robbing behavior like I've never seen before. And as a result of that, I didn't push things because having the colony open was dangerous. It was leading to this robbing, it was leading to fighting and it was leading to dead bees. My goal next year is to be more on top of it, particularly in the spring when they start building up again. I think if I had readings from the spring, it would have helped me a little bit more this past year. But again, I have to see what the weather and what the environment throws at us because ultimately I do believe in letting the bees instruct me about when it's appropriate to be in the hives. When I could barely crack a hive without all the other bees trying to steal from it, that's not a good time to be in there. And I have to be mindful of things like that. I also plan on testing out treatments I haven't used yet. So primarily oxalic acid treatments in the spring and then formic acid strips for the late summer and fall. I did not have great success with Apivar or Apigard this year, although admittedly some of that is because there was very low brood at the time of year that I had to apply these treatments and these treatments are best when there is more brood present. But also I had such a pain in the butt trying to get the honey supers off to treat because Apivar and Apigard, you must remove the honey supers. That's why I'm thinking formic acid strips for late summer and fall, because you can apply those when there's honey and oxalic acid in spring before the flow starts, because you should not use oxalic acid when there's honey supers on. I hope that made sense. (laughs) I also want to spend more time with my mentees. I want to do more hands-on work in their hive. I want to just spend a bit more time with them, kind of capitalize on any good weather we have to go and help them if they need it. Have them come visit my apiary. Um, Like one of them, I'd really like to come out and see my apiary so she can see what it's like to work with nice bees because her bees are little assholes, honestly, and we're going to requeen. And then the other one has been out once before and would like to come out again to learn things like honey extraction and stuff. And I would really like to be able to do that with them. This past year, I had to really focus on my own apiary because whenever we had nice weather, I had to seize on that opportunity. And I'm not very fast when I'm in the hive, so that would usually suck up a good chunk of my day and I wasn't available to go and help them. So this is something I want to try much harder to be available and to do more hands-on time with them. As kind of a general note to myself, I wrote focus on healthy colonies instead of number of colonies so for 2020 I had to think for a second so for this past year 2020 I didn't go into it thinking okay I'm gonna make 10 hives out of the two that survived winter but I did want to expand and so when I saw an opportunity to expand I did immediately seize on it so like my Saskatraz bees were absolutely boiling out at one point so I did a split And then we had the dearth. And in hindsight, if I'd kept them together, they would have had a better chance getting through the dearth than when I separated them. And ultimately I had to unite two colonies. So I had to sacrifice a queen. And overall with how crazy this year has been for for the bees, I felt very pressed for time working seven different colonies. So this is just a note to myself to kind of be aware of things like remember what I learned this year don't be as quick to make splits don't be as hurried to make nucleus colonies you know give myself more time to think about the things that could happen and how that would affect the decisions that I'm making so I'm not saying that I'm not going to end up with seven colonies again or even more but I am saying that 
I'm optimistic that this past year has taught me to see a slightly bigger picture than I was previously and how hopefully that will guide me in terms of creating quality healthy colonies regardless of how many there are in terms of the garden I am going to try this three sisters the corn beans and squash again but I'm going to space everything out I'm going to treat for pest insects and I'm going to test the soil and make sure it's optimal for growth this year as well I was very generously gifted a lot of tomato plants or tomato like starter plants from my beekeeping neighbor but it was too many and even though I gave some away I still ended up very crowded so I need to either expand the bed or maybe just pick up from my local nursery like just a handful of plants and put them in a much larger bed so they have lots and lots of space I might try my hand at bell peppers as well as some additional herbs to add to my current herb and wildflower garden. And overall, my plan, though, is to keep things smaller in number and focus more on things like dealing with pests and improving the soil quality. Oh, and then keeping them well fed, making sure I'm fertilizing them on an appropriate schedule. As I mentioned earlier, I have to prioritize that big overgrown side bed. Um, I did start clearing the weeds before the cold weather hit and I'm going to really focus on it in the spring. I know I've been putting it off because it's daunting and kind of unnerving to look at all of that and see how overgrown it is. But I also feel very accomplished when I'm weeding, you know, seeing a space go from this choked weed growth to beautiful soil that I can then do what I want with is really rewarding even if it takes me a long time and kind of hurts my carpal tunnel and hurts my back but it it's worth doing and I really just have to suck it up and and do that next year. Ideally I would actually really like to spend more time volunteering at the zoo. This year I did very little because of the pandemic I did help behind the scenes when I could, such as stuffing treat bags for Boo at the zoo. But even with very appropriate social distancing and mask rules in in place, I did not feel comfortable being around groups of people. And so I did not do anything that put me in contact with the public this past year. I'm very grateful that the zoo waived the hourly commitment required for volunteers. So I haven't lost my position. But I'm also really optimistic that maybe next year it will be safer for me to do more of the stuff that I actually really enjoy at the zoo so fingers crossed I'd also really like to walk my dogs more we don't have sidewalks here and people drive like a bat out of hell on this road so it's quite dangerous to take the dogs up and down by myself now that my husband's home we do walk them together and I would really really like next year to do a bit more walking with them even if we have to load them up and take them to a hiking trail it's good for them it's good for us I really think it's something that we should focus on for my sweet chickens I will buy some kind of tractor for Agatha and Squeak so that they can enjoy grazing time and I don't really have any firm plans for the big flock right now I mean mainly just sort of seeing how they do when the rooster comes back into full breeding mode making sure they're not being overbred and then if they are coming up with solutions which honestly would probably be getting more hens if I did get more hens I would lean towards Jersey Giant so he's not you know crushing the hens he's got appropriately sized girls and then maybe some easter eggers I would love to have more colorful egg layers available for sure but I do need to make sure they're a decent size because I do have this ginormous rooster I don't know if this next goal is going to happen because of the issues I've been having with my back but a drainage ditch down the side of the property on the opposite side to where the current one is would make a huge difference I can't even imagine how long it would take me to do but honestly I I can get it done it's gonna really really help with the drainage problems that we've had so I'm going to look into that I really don't know that this will happen in 2021 but let's say that everything goes great with the vaccine and things start to calm down and we can travel again I plan to visit my bestie in Canada and then fly from there onto England to see my mum and my brother. Um, I get 
very homesick for England in winter and it's really difficult to know that I can't just jump on a plane and go and see them and you know make sure they're okay and you know my mum's going through some stuff right now um, including some health issues and I just really wish I could be there so uh, that's a goal I've set for myself as as soon as it's safe I need to go and see them I need to spend quality time with them I need to give them a big hug I just I do and on a kind of similar vein once that's done and it's still safe to go out I have got to go on vacation with my husband he has been so overworked the pandemic has thrown so much additional work onto his plate we desperately need a break and it would be lovely to go somewhere I don't know tropical maybe and just relax be a couple not have any responsibilities even if it's just a handful of days it would be incredible and while I'm just throwing out lofty goals I'd really really like to make my goal weight next year and I'm not sure it's gonna happen I'll be honest I hate being hungry (laughs) so calorie counting is difficult and you know I've had a lot more problems with pain this year. I actually just got muscle relaxers and some really heavy duty steroids for my back because digging up that water pipe absolutely destroyed it. And I I didn't have a single day where I didn't wake up in pain and I'm finally turning a corner there. And so there are things that I just can't do. And also, I don't know about anyone else who has pain. I am so hungry when the pain finally leaves it's like I can't eat I don't want to do anything when I'm sore and then as soon as it starts to clear up all I want to do is eat chocolate and make toast and eat all these things that are bad for me but you know fingers crossed if things get better next year maybe I'll get back to swimming again and I'll see the weight go away and I'll just feel stronger and healthier in myself I mean a girl can dream right and I think that's it Uh, that's kind of what I've set for myself hopefully I will be able to achieve some of that I am very eager to get back into beekeeping and I already miss my bees desperately I'd love to hear sort of what you've achieved in 2020 what you hope to achieve next year in 2021 you can leave me a comment or you can email me at homesteadhensandhoney at gmail.com I did want to say that um apparently my forwarding service stopped so I apologize to anyone who reached out to me via email and didn't hear back for like weeks I'm so sorry I think I have responded to everyone now but I just wanted to send out a note and apologize for that Um, I should have been more on top of it but it's fixed now and I am getting my emails regularly my biggest hope for all of us is that 2021 will just be better this year has been so rough for literally millions of people we've lost people to covid and those people who have survived are dealing with things like unemployment and social isolation that's very very difficult to deal with and we've all just been doing our damnedest to get through this and so really i just want 2021 to be a year that lifts us all up instead of beating us down that that's my biggest wish for next year I hope wherever you are, you're doing okay. The holidays aren't getting to you. Maybe you're getting to relax a little bit. That would be nice, right? So send me a note. Let me know how you're getting on. Let me know what goals you've set for yourself. And, uh, you know, let's just stick together through this. We're going to get through it as a community. And let's all just pray that 2021 is going to be a much, much better year. So as always, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe out there and take care of yourselves. And as always, hug your hens and then wash your hands. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.